Hello, I'm Jack Napier for X City Plus, and I'm very fortunate to be sitting with the editor of the Gentleman's Journal and host of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, which she set up in 2017. Absolutely. Joe Bullmore. In your notes before, you described me as a founder, but you, I noticed you've omitted that yes, from the introduction. Sorry, I did admit founder. Fine. It's founder my, of the Gentleman's yeah, Journal much podcast. Grander. Um, much grander. Copyright. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm here to talk about uh, how to make the perfect podcast. Hopefully, by the time Joe has told us all about his, uh, you should be able to make one yourself. Uh, if not, there is no hope. Um, so let's start by talking about advertising. That's yes. the big ticket story. Yeah. Well, the thing about us is we don't actually have any advertising on our podcast platform. Although, of course, the Gentleman's Journal is funded largely through advertising or digital or print. Um, so it's a natural extension that we should, in fact, have some kind of sponsorship uh, on every episode. I think the problem with us is because Gentleman's Journal is a kind of high-end publication uh, in the luxury space. We, naturally, we want to have luxury advertisers. But for them, this this all feels very new and they're not in the traditional kind of startup space who get this innovative um, way of advertising to people. So our first strategy, I think, although, I mean, I'm not the guy who sells the advertising space and I don't think I'd be very good at it, is to uh, get, was to get a, a kind of blanket sponsorship. So we would have called it the Gentleman's Journal Cartier podcast or the Gentleman's Journal Rolex podcast. Um, and there are other watch brands out there, of course. And I think it would have been good to do that and it would have been financially quite nice to book in a whole slot, but um, I'm not sure that's the most the best way to, to finance a podcast. I think smaller per episode deals or three different um, sponsors on pre-roll, mid-roll and end-roll, whatever it's called, would be a better way to do it. Um, I also think it would be much more natural. If I'm talking about, a, if I was going to talk about um, Harry's Shave Club or something, uh, it would be much more natural for me to kind of work that into conversation uh, I'm not going to sit and say, oh, this new Cartier's out, it costs £20,000, it's an incredible watch, which it would be, um, you should pop down to store and buy one. I don't think it's probably the right level. But there are some, there are lots of things in the pipeline that are that are right for us. At the moment, it doesn't really need to make money because it's just a nice project for us. Mm. So, yeah, because what you're seeing a lot more of now is the sort of like bespoke advertising, yeah. which comes partly through a podcast. Definitely. Um which apparently viewers are very happy to listen to. So yeah. I guess if you can't naturally force yeah. it in, then it's, there's no point. I think that's the, that's the problem at the moment. Mm. So, yeah, in, in terms of, you mentioned you don't really need to make money mm. on the podcast yeah. at the moment. So what's what's the kind of primary function when you decided to set it up last year? Yeah. What, what made well, you that well, the reason we, I say we don't need to make money is because compared to even, compared to print, it's a seriously cheap way to make pretty good content and compared to digital it's, it's even cheaper than that um, because as you know you can just take your kit somewhere and 45 minutes later you've got a pretty professional sounding product it's also slightly easier to get uh, I think interview guests people who have a bit of fatigue from being interviewed for print or digital maybe there's something quite novel about a podcast and although everyone says they hate the sound of their own voice I think from my experience people enjoy it and warm to it quite a lot and rather like the flattery of of um of being asked to, to come on a podcast. So the primary, the reason I wanted to start it in the first place was because, A, I, I enjoyed podcasts, and I realised that if our target audience is this kind of young man about town on the way to work, he's much more likely to interact with us on a 20-minute commute than he is 
when he gets to the office looking through our website or indeed sitting at his desk reading a magazine which probably wouldn't go down very well so I thought that, that as everyone knows the podcast just fits much more naturally in with your day um, and obviously you can still do it while getting endorphin hits from going on Instagram or doing other things which you can't do from reading um, I'm the editor of a magazine but I'm the first to admit that, that there is trouble um, getting people to engage with our articles yet I've had very little trouble getting people to engage with the podcast um, it's also it seems to be really podcasts seem to be really geared towards entrepreneurship and business and it's a really natural way to talk about that uh, mainly because entrepreneurs kind of get it and they want to get involved in it so for me when I wanted to get more and more entrepreneurs involved around the magazine and it, it seems like a very hot topic obviously now it's the new kind of rock and roll I thought podcasts are the perfect way to do it let's try it um, and i Probably, I'd have to admit that there is a little bit of vanity involved as well. I, I like the idea of having my own kind of little broadcasting platform. <laughs> um, so yeah, lots of reasons, but it seemed pretty natural time to do it. Mm. So that's yeah, the sort of cheapness, the the, the kind of money making mm. side of it. I would talk about equipment or subscriptions, but I think yeah. it's more interesting things about subscriptions. Sure, because um, that's something you're not particularly interested in doing no do you mean paid subscriptions yeah if, if you had a sort of premium offering yeah. on your podcast or something like that yeah we do have a we have obviously a VIP package for online and digital and stuff which includes put the podcast but the moment we've because we've only done I think 20 episodes now it's only been going about a year actually we only launched it in May so it's going about nine months um, ten months now but I think for us it's, it's about just getting as many people on as possible we don't we don't want to exclude anyone with a paywall at the moment because yeah if we were going to monetize it we would be through advertising and getting that critical mass that seems to fit better with our our business model so no paywall yet if we got some super exclusive content that i thought people would still tune into behind a paywall some incredible interview with david cameron exclusive about his new job or something i don't know uh, that would be very much worth putting behind a paywall i think uh, but no not at the moment Nice. And then, so then, yeah, the other one, equipment. Um, mm, obviously, yeah. we're recording on this microphone, which I don't want to be course. mean about because one of my <laughs> colleagues... No, it looks like a good me. bit of kit. But um, I'm sure you can get uh, sort of much more expensive yeah. equipment and... I imagine the sort of production quality is something that you've thought. Yeah. Well, as yeah, as a slightly premium magazine, I think we have to. The production quality was a big thing. The equipment, I really didn't know anything about at all. I was going to this completely blind. So, I asked um, around a friend who was a sound engineer, another one who'd recorded his own kind of, who did a lot of TV stuff recording, um, and then just spent hours in the backwaters of the internet on forums and stuff which is a horrible wormhole to get into because you start to panic about all your microphones not being good enough in the end we opted for four um mics the, the brand name which completely escapes me but they're kind of freestand mics and they and then um they plug into a scarlet 10 0 10 0 or something interface a little red box basically which is a really good and it's kind of industry at this level industry standard of, of interfaces and then that goes into the um, my Mac. Um, actually, I've come to realise that if podcasts don't sound as good as they did, and from episode to episode it naturally varies, it's not as much to do with the equipment, it's to do with the guests or the setting. So guests who move around a lot, articulate, um, slide away from the mic, kick the table, t knock on the stand like this, which is going to sound horrible, but there you go, um, rustle their papers... 
even people who are very stationary, static people in their life suddenly become fidgety and nervous as anything. And there's nothing you can do to stop them. If, if we pause the podcast, which I have done and said, this is amazing, by the way, but if you can stop kicking the table, <laughs> that'd be great. They go, oh, was I? Sorry, I didn't realise. And they stop for, for 45 seconds and then they start kicking the table like that again. Um, so, uh, uh, which is completely natural because... I think I would be exactly the same. So the problem is is controlling the people. And actually what I've learned is at some point, if, you, if you're getting an interesting, juicy story out of someone, no one really cares if the sound quality is slightly off. Um, I think we've, yeah, we're now working out how to, how to do that. We record all our podcasts, all apart from one, we recorded in a place called Mark's Club in Mayfair, which is a very old-fashioned but lovely members club. So um, it's kind of got thick carpets, soft furnishings, mm. um, and the room's quite small, so it, it works pretty well um, uh, for recording that. But yeah, I think um, I think we got hung up on on, on equipment at the start, uh, and really now it yeah it works fine. So that that whole kit, I mean, I can't tell you exactly what it is because I can't remember. But that everything costs six hundred pounds all in. Okay. Uh, which seems pretty good, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty reasonable for high quality equipment. Yeah, it is. I think it's the kind of the low the the like entry level professionalish stuff. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you can for microphones you can go to the moon, really. Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of uh, those sort of noisy guests and stuff, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about how you sort of how you set out and structure mm. your show. Do you? Because I, I know that sometimes you just have a one-on-one show. Yeah. And occasionally, you've had two people in at once. Yeah, we've done um, a few group ones, um, which are actually great because, especially the last one we did, which was on about British manufacturing and craftsmanship, we had a. Uh, a shoemaker, a leather goods maker, and a shirt maker. All very high-end kind of bespoke stuff. But they naturally, of course, know so much more about it than me. Even if I research for a day, ask them kind of the starter questions, the depth that they're going to in the asides to each other is so much better um, than if I was just saying, oh, so what's the process to make a shirt? They can then start to talk about the actual nitty-gritty and things I would never have considered. So for stuff like that, which is kind of a specialist field, I think... Group ones work really, really well. For stuff, if you've got a guest and you're, you're talking more about them and their career um, as opposed to an industry, uh, I think one-on-one can be, can be really good. Um, it's more intimate and it's, they feel... I don't know, it's just a much more traditional conversation. Well, there, there must be an element of having more control as the host as well. And being Definitely. To... Yeah, you can, you can marshal it a lot better. It, when we record the group ones, they, we record for a lot longer because people talk a lot more and then people um, yeah kind of add on to other people's stuff and say I'd just like to reiterate that um, and then add my own thing which is great because then you get into the deeper levels but naturally for a 40, 30 minute podcast we usually record for no more than an hour um, but in the group ones it's like an hour and a half at least although it does fly by and you kind of forget you're doing it um, so they got different pr- uh, pros and cons I'd say um, and definitely different skills it's hard to to uh, keep people on track and marshal you don't want to interrupt as a host uh, but you really should <laughs> I think when you look at like genuinely decent broadcasters they always cut people off before they <laughs> before they've round, done their roundabout way of saying things yeah nice so <clears throat> in terms of kind of trying to pull us back to, mm. to where we originally started it was sort of how to make the perfect okay. podcast which is <laughs> um, I mean the jury's out I think it's a bit of a yeah a ridiculous thing to set out to try and achieve but I guess what we've sort of picked up here is that uh, in your mind yeah. kind of go for advertising get the numbers up yeah so free 
free content, advertising, decent equipment, but I think so. Don't go overboard. I think um, if you can't. Yeah, I, I think as with anything, almost anything creative, to try and make it as good as possible for you and start to think about how it's going to be commercial. And for us, that meant getting interesting entrepreneurs and guests on and, and trusting that the content there would be would be would speak for itself. Uh, it seems to be pretty popular at the moment. We get about 100,000 uh, hits, plays, listens, I don't know which one, um, a month. So it, it, does, it does okay for that. Um, but yeah, I'd say concentrate just on your content, which is the obvious thing to say. Mm. But it's worth reiterating. Work out your audience. Definitely, yeah. Create a yeah. concise and succinct show. Yeah. Go from there. Yeah, I think so. And also, I think with with concision, if that's the word, um, actually, podcasts you can can get a bit deeper into things, which is what one of the nice things about it. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I think as long as it keeps you keep uh, keep rattling along at the right pace, it's pretty good. <clears throat> well, there we are. If you can't create a podcast after that. You've got no hope. Yeah. Uh, so stick to print, which Absolutely I right. is also dying. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, finally, um, do you have? Do you know who your next guest is? Or yes, our next guest is a chap um, uh, called George Bamford, whose name I nearly forgot. Um, in the heat of the moment, if, uh, when people have microphones in front of themselves, their minds go blank. In my experience, so that's my excuse. Uh, who makes incredible bespoke luxury watches in in Mayfair? So that I'm recording that next week. I've got to find a date with George. But usually, with things like that, it's quite good. You can go on the fly and and get down there. So do listen in, everybody. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, thank you so much for speaking to me, uh, Joe. And thank, <laughs> thank you, you Jack, for having me. To you and your girlfriend's a, flat. A joy. Yes, a joy.